0: Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Top Ten
1: Show. I am John Rocha. I am Matt Nost, and um, we are breaking protocol on this week's show for the first time ever. Okay. Well, I'm saying in the choice of topic. Oh, yes. Yeah. Please explain this, Matt, how this topic came about. So people, um, you know, thankfully, it's really cool, send us topics, all the time, they tweet at us or they hit us up at uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash top 10 show, uh, all spelled out, uh, and everywhere else, And uh, we even have a tier on Patreon where fans get to choose topics of the show, so we're used to suggestions and whatnot, but we've never taken one before. Yeah. We got hit one it, it, right at the right time of we were discussing what we want to do for shows upcoming, because there is no release schedule, so we have to find, for the first time ever, just random ideas. Right. Right. And uh, Dallas Fisher, which is at Dunder X Mifflin, uh, (laughs) tweeted us on Twitter and was like, hey, what about uh, one hit directors, one hit wonders in essence? And we both kind of like, wow, that's perfect timing. We both like the topic. We both were looking for ideas for just upcoming shows, like just some random stuff. And uh, so for the first and only time, we are going to take a direct fan suggestion from Twitter or any of our social medias.
0: Yeah, it just kind of hit us at the right time. And as Matt said, we were kind of kicking around topics. And this one, uh, uh, you know, and I texted Matt afterwards, like, well, is this, should we just take a random one? We've never done this before. And he's like, well, look- what we're going through right now is we've never done before, or we've never had to go through before, so why not? And I thought it was a brilliant a way to respond to that. I was like, "All right, sounds good to me." So let's do it. Let's have a little fun. Plus, it was an actually it was actually a topic that interested us and excited us as well. Because yeah. you know, to kind of keep the show alive and keep it fresh, it's good to do topics uh, for for things that people maybe haven't seen before uh, and uh, uh, and address it in our unique style uh, and compile the list and and what have you. So uh, I thought it was a great idea. So I'm looking forward to it.
1: And as we discussed on text, this was – basically, this is the exception that now makes the rule. Right. We've never taken one, and we were both uh, hesitant, but I think you brought it up first, voicing the concern of, like, we've never done this. Right. What Do it one time, and we go back and officially make a policy of, we don't do that. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah,
0: and for our for our Boss Hog patrons, you know, you guys get to choose the topic. We've yeah. been very we've been very vigilant about making sure at least one topic a month is from one of you all that we do. So uh, this does not take away uh, what yeah. you all have been doing for us. We're still going to do that. Absolutely. This was and we're never
1: yeah we're never going to do this again. Now we do take some of the ideas and kind of stew them away for later. Yeah, a certain release week that happens to work. And we've taken show ideas from uh, the relist. I think it was Robert Haley that gave us the. Decade by year. We had to mm-hmm. year for whatever. But then we took it and did it for something totally a different year, different genre, whatever the case was. Absolutely. Taking other ideas. Yeah. Uh, but this would just struck us at the perfect time. You're like, you know what? Why not this one time? We'll do it. And then we will go back to never doing it. So for you, uh, Dallas, uh, you managed to, uh, you know, create the rule. So we'll call this the Dallas rule. I and, like it. Uh, move forward from there. Yeah. It's a really weird topic.
0: Yeah, I mean, because there's, there's, but then I think it's finally a, a, a challenging topic because. There are so many different ways you can approach this. Is it one-hit wonder directors that are currently still working? Is it one-hit wonder directors uh, who are, you know, like uh, who you think are actually damn good directors but just could never quite reach the apex again or the mountaintop again? Or is this one-hit wonder directors, one-off directors who just did one movie and then never did another movie again? So – I kind of made a mix of it for my list of those all those possibilities because we okay. hadn't really solidified what we wanted it to be uh but in the end I kind of deferred mostly to did I enjoy the movie uh and did I enjoy the expertise of the director on the movie so that's kind mm-hmm. of what was my uh, construct of parameters that I was following to uh, create this list. And I had like 10, 15 uh, extra ones that I had, uh, you know, honorable mentions afterwards, which I uh, was very surprised by. So, yeah.
1: I And I, I did the same thing. I didn't do anybody that's, I think you're thinking of, to me, one or two specific ones that are one and done. Yeah. One and every other. And I didn't count those. Um, to me, one hit... Is you had others and it's just like this one one random anomaly, right? Uh, but that's how I approach it. But then after that, it's like a fluid dynamic because there are certain guys who you and almost everybody would have issue with if I put on this list, mm. like Michael Bay. It's exactly.
0: What got- well, if you say hits? You got to define what hits exactly. Are. What it's does just, hits mean? Natural
1: success is a hit. That's a hit. That's it, is hit. it is a hit. And then yeah. he's got more than one movie I would like. I like the Rock, and I like Thirteen Hours. Right, right, right. Um, so it didn't. But part of me was until I thought of Thirteen Hours. I was like, I'm not going to put them on my list. But technically, I like The Rock mm-hmm. from the entire rest of his canon. By do I think there's some entertaining stuff in there? Sure, but right. I think it's a lot of schlock. Um, but that's just me. I know that I'm alone in a lot of that opinion. So I didn't. <laughs> do it.
0: On this show, you're <laughs> alone. I don't think you're alone out in the real world.
1: <laughs> well. But you did text saying, are we saying the general consensus, in essence, is he didn't have another hit?
0: Right, right. He or she didn't have another hit.
1: Yes. Yeah. And just because I like a movie doesn't make it a hit necessarily. Agreed. 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 Now, my opinion, could, I guess, if it's somewhere where I think the general consensus is like it's a 50-50 and I think it's good, I might count that, but I don't know right. if it's it on this list or not. Right. Uh, but I tried to factor all that stuff in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's a, just a weird... Kind of organic mix mm-hmm. of of directors. I mainly did it by director since that was kind of the focus—the one hit wonder director yeah. and with the movie—the one movie that they did. Obviously, yeah, really easy to do because just go look at most of these people's IMDb's. Uh, the one is more often than not glaring. Yeah, true. Very true. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a cool list. So Dallas, this was an interesting thought experiment as to how you define it.
0: Yeah. You could, your name couldn't be green Bay. Could it? No, nope, It has to be Dallas. Okay. Well, I'll take it. I'll take it. Could have had a green Bay rule. It would have been nice. A little green Bay rule just to be fair. So the next person to suggest something, maybe uh, we'll call it. The well, green would Bay you Bay.
1: prefer it to be the, uh, the <laughs> no, Fisher rule?
0: No, I like the Dallas rule. I think it works better.
1: Okay. Uh, uh, anyway, Matt, you want to tell them how the show works before we jump into it for those. Uh, who new? Once, once yes. Uh, for our new people. Hey, thanks for checking us out. We appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Hope we're we're leaving some of your boredom uh, in COVID nineteen world pandemic uh, happening in twenty twenty. So yep. let's get everybody get your t shirts. And uh, the way the show works is once Dallas gave us the topic idea, we went our separate ways and created personal top ten lists show back up here i do my bottom three he does his bottom three i do my next two he does his next two then we trade one a piece once we have revealed our personal top 10 lists, we create the shows between the two of us boom boom and yeah all over the place. yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah. i'm I'm looking for i don't know if we're gonna have any that uh you know are are the same but i'm looking forward to see if we if we do or we don't uh because there's so many to choose from so please take it away matt
1: um so some of these, I think one of my bottom three, you're definitely going to be saying the words punt, but I have a reason for that. Mm-hmm. But at 10, I'm going to say Rennie Harlan, who did Die Hard 2. <laughs>
0: all right. That's all you, man.
1: Well, because – right. You want are to, bash, you
0: you want to Michael Bay for 20 minutes, and then you're going to tell me about Rennie Harlan? Okay, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Well, what do you talk about? Michael Bay about schlock. i right. are talking about schlock. Yeah, but you – But Die Hard 2, I like way better than anything – well, it, The Rock, I probably like better. Yeah, it's a better movie. Um, well, let's not go too far. They're both ridiculous. Okay, all right. Dire 2 is technically wanting to be more grounded in reality than fucking The Rock is. Uh, sure. That being said, I'm not... Are you a fan of Cliffhanger? Because I think that's where oh, the argument... That has- film is horrible. Uh, Thank I, you. I hated that
0: film. Um and Lithgow uh, choose a scene with, where I enjoyed Lithgow and Ricochet. I hated yeah. him as a villain in um, Cliffhanger because I thought it was incredibly unbelievable and he was totally cheesy. I do not think anybody would follow this guy uh in any shape way shape or form you know what i'm saying it's like that guy in the in that cold pursuit liam neeson movie i was like no one's gonna follow this guy anywhere so i did not like uh, uh liam neeson in uh cliffhanger and it was just so incredibly boring and i was I mean, frustrated by it all
1: okay yeah uh yeah because I, I looked it up and i was like maybe my perception of cliffhanger is and been it's kind of middle of the road hmm because I didn't like it at the time, I've gone back to watch certain snippets that I think are just terrible. To yeah. reinforce my opinion of it, like that opening scene to me is is garbage. It's no, flaming hot garbage.
0: I like it better in Ace Ventura and Nature Calls when he. Yeah, calls. so do yeah. I. It's a lot. Funny. It's a lot better there. So it's more believable. Yeah, it's more. It is <laughs> flat out.
1: <laughs> it's uh,
0: like that opening of Terminal Velocity, right? Like, Dad, no,
1: Dad, oh, no. no that, that to me is one of the worst scenes in movie history that I've seen. It's honest to God. Why do we need a close-up of the body hitting? (laughs) (laughs) We don't. You see the line get cut. The guy falls. We all know what is going to happen. He's pancake. He's a human pancake. You do not need to see. And that stupid CGI eagle is soaring. Yeah. Open the movie. And then they cut back to it. So he soars over as the body goes. And you're like, I don't fucking understand what is going on. And that's seven. Into the movie, <laughs> uh, Cliffhanger isn't that bad, but I I didn't like it at the time. And everybody was like, "Oh, dude, the action was great." It was like I did not enjoy this movie. Yeah,
0: yeah. And agreed. to make
1: something Die Hard too uh, that I do actually thoroughly enjoy—is it as good as one? No, no. But that, that's impossible. Okay. You know, the The original Die Hard is an all time classic. It is. It is. It so is. it's really tough to do a Godfather 2 but people loved Die Hard 3. People enjoyed that one. I, don't Look, like, that one. I like 2 people as much like. as I like 3. And I okay. like both. All right. Fair. Um, do I, I think the 3 is a more fun journey. 2 is darker. Yeah. With the military and whatnot, especially the new guy that joins the squad.
0: Yeah.
1: They're like, oh, unfortunately, basically, we got to kill you. And they slit his throat, just the dark blood against the white camo and stuff. The visual is really effective. True. I love the, you know, the four, the snowmobiles like flying through the air and whatnot. It's just ridiculous. But that and the uh, the gas trail that blows up the plane. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the icicle fight scene. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just i it, I knew it was never going to be as good as the first one, so I went in with the proper expectations when I was younger and saw it. And right. it was awesome. I still think it's awesome. I enjoy it when it comes on. And to do to make something like that, which is a tough feat you Know somebody that didn't do the first movie, yeah, and, and to go on and be you know, some people are really big fans of Long Kiss Goodnight, which he also did. I think oh, it's, yeah, Arlen.
0: that's right. Um, a lot of people like that one,
1: yeah, but I haven't seen it in so long, I can't give you a proper opinion on it. Yeah,
0: that's fair. It'd stick with me
1: like Cliffhanger did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so uh, Rennie Harlan is my <laughs> All right, so what's your number nine? Uh, nine is Harmony Corinne for Spring Breakers.
0: Oh, good choice. I, I didn't see the movie, so I couldn't. I know I saw it come up on lists I was doing research for uh, the show on, and I just hadn't seen the movie, so I couldn't put it in proper context. But I haven't liked anything else she's done, so I didn't, but the dude, I didn't know if it was good.
1: Pretty sure it's a dude. Harmony Corinne? I think I, I thought think that so. was a woman. I don't think so. Unless... Let's take a look. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, to a dude, dude. Yep. All right, my bad. Uh, well, I mean, his name is Harmony. I'm sure he's gotten that before. Yeah, yeah. All right. The the, the only the literal only reason this yeah, you're right damn is a because I saw the movie and I and I liked it. Yeah. Is it going to be a pantheon movie? No, no. Was it a hit though? This is a one hit wonder director. Was it a hit? Well, it got some Oscar buzz. Okay. And to me, look, the only reason it makes this is because I saw Gummo, or Gummo, however you Oh, know. Yeah, 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 Gummo. And that movie is one of the worst. It's set out to be disgusting and vulgar. Yeah. It succeeds in the most crass and easy way that it can. Like, it offended me. And good for him, because it's lasted with me. Yeah. fact that then Spring Breakers was coming out, it was like, the dude that did Gummo did a movie that James Franco and Selena Gomez and I can't remember who else is in it.
0: I think Hudgens is in it too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're right. Vanessa Hudgens is in it. He's getting some Oscar buzz around the performances and people are saying it's good. And I was blown away by the fact that I did kind of, you know, I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And it's like this guy, this guy who made one of the worst movie experiences I've ever had in my life. (laughs) Hands down. I watched the whole damn thing, but I hated it. Uh, and I hated the fact that I wasted my time on it. Yeah, made something to me blew me away, and I was like, "He's making my list because Gummo to me is just trash, just yeah, the worst of the worst." And to make something that it's actually good, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, fair. That's so your one and only hit with me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, what's your number eight? My number eight is where you were, might be saying punt.
0: Okay,
1: is that's sure on the, the pronunciation on last name, uh, Michael Chimino. Uh, yes, that is a punt. Yeah, absolutely. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Yeah. It is Chimino. Yeah. And, uh, all right. So then my number 10 is, uh, Josh Trank. It's a slight punt. Okay. Fair. Not then, by much. Uh, all okay, right, Then my number nine is uh, Michael Lehman for Heathers.
1: Oh, I thought about it.
0: Yeah. Um, he, he's a good TV director now, certainly. And, uh, uh but overall not uh, that good of a uh, he's never quite hit the heights like he did with heather's and heather's was an underground hit uh and I, so I considered it, I consider it uh, valid for this list uh certainly mm-hmm. one they just did the 30th anniversary last year of the film coming out I interviewed the writer for it as one of the oh, on one of the deep cut episodes and he talked uh, I he talked about it. I think the writer is the brother of this director I think uh, uh he's his mm-hmm. brother so they had this uh, a good working relationship, and the film is great, still memorable. Still, people talk about that film now, uh, yeah. and they did a TV series apparently that was based on the film as well. So, still echoing nowadays uh, in uh, in our pop culture uh, and in our media. So, I thought that was this was a good one to throw in. But Lehman never once came close to. Uh, uh, creating yeah. such a brilliant satire like he did in uh, Heathers, uh, a brilliant dark satire. and I think it's one of Christian Slater's best performances ever. I think Winona Ryder is fantastic in the movie. Shannon Doherty is good in the movie. So to me overall, this is a fun film, and he was never able to hit it again. Um,
1: yeah, I, I didn't put it on because Heathers doesn't have the same pull it does for basically like uh, – you that are just a couple of years older than me, that was the right age to see what yeah. came out type of thing.
0: Probably, yeah.
1: It's a, it's a cult classic for a specific generation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not going to fight you on hit. And I think the placement of nine is the perfect spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so then my number eight is uh, Billy Bob Thornton with Sling
0: Blade. Uh, I thought about it. Yeah. Yeah, I I I saw that he had directed other things, so I was like, okay, so he did try to do other things, but this was the one that really kind of came across. Obviously it was a feature film version of his short that he had directed to kind of get attention for himself as a director. Uh, And I enjoyed the movie a lot and I, it was a hit, you know, people talked about it, looked for Oscars, things of that nature. So it was legitimately a hit. He was great in the movie and he was great directing the movie. Um, And uh, he didn't quite, and he never really went back to, he never really got to the Heights again, uh, that he did in other projects, so for me, this is one that i I felt I had to throw on there was between two uh actors, and I chose this one because I yeah. enjoyed this movie more than the other movie, even though the other movie' fine it 's fun. this one I felt had more to say, so therefore it 's more of a it has carries more weight for me to put it on the list, yeah,
1: ultimately, I took those two individuals who you 're talking about, yeah, and there was a third in pot- potential contention for me mm. a contemporary actor who 's directed. Yeah. To me, they're not directors. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. I'm sure they consider themselves, and rightly so, directors. But I would assume they put either artist or actor first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Whereas everybody else on the list, I think, views themselves as directors. Fair enough. But yeah, Billy Bob was – because All the Pretty Horses is boring. It is, man.
0: And I thought it was going to be great because that trailer was so good. And you get Matt Damon at the height of Matt, of young Matt Damon. You get Penelope Cruz. Uh, you get that combo into this and this idea of a forbidden romance and all that jazz. It could have really been a fantastic film. And it's a good book. Uh, the McCarthy book is a fantastic book. But unfortunately, you know, it, the execution was a bit overlong and drawn out and kind of boring. And um, yeah. although it was visually beautiful to look at in some in a lot of the movie, overall the story was just just too boring, man, and jumped around too much.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. The sentiment was that book was unfilmable. I and mean, I think <laughs> the sentiment still continues that that book is unfilmable. It's right. It which, is, number, which number seven? Cormac McCarthy Ain't Easy. The Cohen Brothers really connected with No Country. I mean, it's yeah. tough to do. It's very true. Good, but as every book, it's kind of tough to get to. Yeah. Uh, so my seven is Trank from before. Oh, okay. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chronicle. Yeah, the hype, the buzz. I finally saw Chronicle after enough people that uh, that I know were like, "Dude, you got to see Chronicle. It's so good." Yeah, and to eventually see it and be like, "Yeah, the hype is real. This guy managed to make an excellent movie on such a limited budget and an easy premise, something we hadn't seen." Mm-hmm. Uh, and had high hopes, like this guy could potentially turn around Fantastic Four if anybody could do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: All this with nothing. Uh,
0: yeah, pretty incredible to to enjoy and see. And you get a young Michael B. Jordan, uh, a Dane DeHaan. Um, I forget who the other actor is in this, but you get all th- you get all three of them like at the high at the beginning of their careers, and you know, yeah. you bring out this idea, especially right when the superhero movie genre was starting to really take off. You explore one that completely from scratch that has elements of a superhero aspect to it. But then what would it really be like in real life if three friends got this power all of a sudden in high school who aren't necessarily the most emotionally mature, how would they handle it? That kind of stuff. So I enjoyed the the film overall and had some brutal scenes, especially the ending. My God. uh, Mm -hmm. You're just like, Oh my God. And so I enjoyed it for that. It didn't pull punches and showed you what it might really be like for kids like this to get, those yeah. superpowers and what they might experience. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Amongst just three random teenagers.
0: Yeah. 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 It's
1: you're hitting different cross sections of individuals. Yeah. Uh, by doing that. So I, I had high hopes for what was it? Brightburn. Yeah. Brightburn. Yep. Like this is a uh, Chronicles now open the door to other things. Josh Trank has created a little sub genre. Yep. You know, the evil red sun type, of, at least in the eyes of, of, you know, Americans for a red sun, right. It's the opposite of expectations oh. and does well enough because you don't need a huge budget to pull that off.
0: I got to see that the WB red sun animated movie. They just released a few weeks ago. Yeah, I don't I want to see if it's any good. Yeah.
1: Um. All right. What's your number six? My number six is uh bloom comp for district nine.
0: Oh, that's a slight punt. Just a slight punt, but it's okay. a punt. Uh, my number seven then is uh, James McTeague for V for Vendetta. Hey,
1: guess what we're doing? <laughs> okay, so uh, we're going to get to it in two seconds. But go right. <laughs> there.
0: Then my number six is uh, Tony K for American History X. <laughs>
1: Hey, baby, <laughs> guess what time it is? It's time to utter those uh, beautiful words once again. Johnny, we got ourselves another punt.
0: We do. Well, uh, this might be the earliest we've had to take a break in the middle of the uh, show to jump into it before we get into our top
1: five. So, Yeah, how quickly are we into it? Because we didn't do our kibitzing up top. No, we're about 22 minutes into it. So, Yeah, <laughs> it's the, early. earliest ad break in the history of the show. I feel like we should shoot the shit for another 10 minutes. All right, if you feel like it, what would you want to talk about? What would you like uh-huh. to talk about? I, I don't know what. Okay. Uh, what's the first thing that you're looking forward to do once this is all over? Oh, can't right that's now, That's a great fucking question. Is it getting a specific meal? Is it going to the movie theater? I'll be honest with you, it's an
0: entire day. It's a Saturday or a okay. day since I'm since I'm not you know uh, at Collider anymore. It's a day where I where they go okay you can go I go right to the outlet mall do some fucking shopping then go and have a nice uh, go and watch uh, or have a nice meal. And then go and see a movie uh, in a theater with a big, stupid smile on my face. Uh, That's, that's, and then grab some ice cream on the way home. That's essentially, it's a whole day, man. And I, cause I like, no, with no fear, and I got no problem walking around. And I guarantee, like, once they go, like, okay, the doors are open, people can go to stuff, not everyone's gonna go out. So it's that one time where you can go and kind of not as, it's gonna not gonna be as trafficy or as, backed up and then kind of experience everything in a little bit of a small um, amount of time and then just kind of be done with it and and roll on home. But yes, that's absolutely what I want.
1: Of all those things, what is number one of those?
0: (sighs) Probably the movie, to be honest with you, sitting in a movie theater and being able to feel that again. I didn't think I'd get to the point where I'd miss going to a movie theater because some people very early on were frustrated that they couldn't go. But I've been seeing movies since I was like, you know, six years old in the theater. So I've done it for many, many uh, years. But now that the the feeling has kind of crept in, because just the other day I was like, oh, I'll go see a movie this afternoon. And I was like, oh shit, I can't. Yeah. I, can't. I can't. And yeah. Um, what are yeah.
1: you? Ice cream. Ice cream was the first thing I thought of. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> yep. The former fat kid that I am, I like getting ice cream, man. I a big, Ooh. and it's such a simple. It always puts a smile on your face. It's a happy little twenty-minute thing. Yeah. It's nothing. It, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't affect my life. But it's it's nice. The wife and I go out, and we just like we sit close, and we both enjoy our ice cream. We try each other's, and it's just like yeah. a stupid little you know pleasure that I can't do right now. Yeah. I was trying to think of something like just something small like that. Cause of course, like I'd love to go see a game. I'd love to see a show.
0: Yeah.
1: Or a fucking play or any of that just to explain yeah. something uh, in a big group of people again. Cause sometimes those, those moments are impossible to replicate.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Everybody was putting out, you know, a year ago with Endgame. Thank God we could all see this in the movie type of when this moment happened and they're playing it from the theater. What not. Oh and- yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. To relive it. You know, because I remember seeing it and the hairs in the back of my neck stand up at certain moments. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I miss those too, but it's just you know, to pick a more simple pleasure. Ice cream yeah. sounds. Like- <laughs> I mean, you can still get ice
0: cream. The thing is, you can't. Not the same. You can't sit in the thing and sit down, yeah. and have the back and forth, and take that break after a long day, or take that break in the middle of the day to go and. Yeah. In the late afternoon, yeah.
1: It's the trip over there, whether you're walking from the restaurant or driving from your house or something else, but you know you're going to get ice cream, so you're in a good mood. Yep, yep, yep. It's always a good time. Ice cream's always good. (laughs) (laughs) So long as you don't have too much guilt built
0: up. That's my problem because I've, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I've always struggled with my weight. I'll always struggle with my weight. I have a body dysmorphia point of view about myself. So when I go and get ice cream at the Baskin Robbins or Coldstone Creamery, I always feel a, a, a strong pang of shame or guilt overdoing it but you know i'm allowed to but there's 10 other people in line there's 10 other people there waiting to get their ice cream that's my own personal journey about it because i do love ice cream like a motherfucker i love getting a three scooper at baskin robbins or the two right. scooper or i'll go to the cold stone and get that medium the like it love it or the love it and get that the founder's favorite i love that so you know i enjoy ice cream like a like a fool but have i have you, to be careful
1: have you been to salt and straw jenny's and milk I've
0: been to Salt and Straw, uh, okay. and those are like, those. that's expensive. It's 8 to $10 for a scoop or two of ice cream.
1: Yeah, it's worth uh, No, it's not it's that. Worth it's, it. it's worth It's Six, seven bucks for two scoops. Okay. Uh, it's, I've been there like 15, 20 times. Right. I've been to um, them in four different locations. Like, I, I've been to quite a few. Okay.
0: To um, them. But milk, yes. Milk, I enjoy because you can build your own ice cream sandwich, and that is a joy to be able to put okay. your. I, the, the ice cream flavor that you want, or combine ice cream flavors and put them in an ice cream, create ice cream sandwich from scratch. That's a really a good thing uh, that I've enjoyed. But I haven't been to the other one. What's the other one called?
1: Uh, Jenny's. 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 No, I haven't been to Jenny's. Okay. All right. They sell them in certain in local grocery stores. So you can have okay. Albertsons or Gelson's. By the okay. but the standalone shops, there's one in uh los Feliz, i think there's one out in santa monica right i'm not sure if there's one in west hollywood or not uh, I be- i've become a fan of tillamook i
0: really enjoy the tillamook ice cream mm-hmm. their mint chocolate I like their chip. Cheese. i don't know if
1: i've had their ice cream
0: yeah, their ice cream i, have, I they, they sell at the uh sprouts so i will get like the mint chocolate chip one or i'll get the caramel butter pecan one those yeah. are great uh and i'm gonna at some point try their chocolate or their vanilla straight up and see what that tastes like, but they still sell that. So thank God when I go to the grocery store, I can pick up a a, a gallon or so or half a gallon and and enjoy it. So, yeah, but I haven't, but I'm with you, man. I haven't been able to go to a shop and have some ice cream. Yeah.
1: Whatever. I think we've only bought ice cream once. Mm. Um, I don't mind having it at the house or whatnot, but it's not the same to me. Like, yeah, but it's just not the same that the experiences. So we like cereal, We'll get some cinnamon toast or some light for something and we'll pour a bowl and we'll just kind of add and then we'll have that as
0: right on, man. You
1: know what's crazy, though, is uh, Honey Nut Cheerios has more sugar than Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh, wow. I did not know that. I did not know that. I I like Honey Nut Cheerios. And now it's just like, oh, that's got a little bit more sugar than (laughs) Cinnamon Toast Crunch, which is literally coated in sugar. We rarely
0: eat the same thing, Lily and I, so we don't get to have those moments necessarily. We share food in that fact that like we eat at the same time, sometimes most of the time, but like we don't share the same because she she does not a dairy, she has a dairy intolerance. So, lactose intolerance? yeah, lactose intolerance, so we can't like get regular ice cream. It has to be a certain yeah. kind of. I think gelato is prefers. a possibility. Yeah, exactly. I think gelato is a possibility. Uh, we can't when I go like to seize candies, like it's rare what she can get because she has to take the pill, so she doesn't have any kind of reaction to it. So it's very limited in terms of dessert options. But when we find a place, because she loves that press juicery place, they do a great job with their ice cream. Uh, and they were and the Haagen-Dazs was just about to open back up again at the Grove. So we had been kind of driving over to the Grove every few nights and she'd get a little press juicery. I would probably get something small from one of the, like a macaroon or something from another one of the stores. But we were looking forward to those nights and so we could drive over there and I would get some Haagen-Dazs while she got some press juicer. We would just sit in the chairs and just kind of enjoy talking with each other and things of that nature. So I hear you about the ice cream thing. It's important.
1: I I hate macaroons. <laughs> I Do really, really? Again, That's such a strong stance. Okay. I do. I hate macaroons. I hate <laughs> cream puffs. Oh, I hate cream, cream puffs. Wow. I know it's, it's pointless to me.
0: I love cream puffs. Okay, yeah.
1: I know everybody else does. I look at it like this: if I'm going to have sweets, I want yeah. more than a cream puff because it it's it's bland by sweet comparison and mm. have enough punch. If I'm going to get a cookie, there's so many better cookie type objects. I hear you. So basically, I hate macaroons in that. Given all options, that's not an option. That's just don't, <laughs>
0: not even a discussion.
1: Do you so do donuts?
0: I, do you have a favorite oh yeah. donut?
1: What's your favorite? Or donuts? Do you have favorite just like it's like flavors? Traditional, glazed. Oh, really? That's it? Just like a... Like it's a my favorite. All the others don't even come close. Wow, really? I like, I like jelly filled. I like the this uh-huh. one. I like the that one. But if I had yeah. my others, I'd just have a plain one. Cause I think it's between the fat of the fresh frying and that gorgeous sugar glaze. It's the perfect balance. (laughs) I just don't, I think that's perfection within a donut. I like all the others, but it's just like, you get it right over here.
0: I respect that. Okay.
1: All right. Uh, (laughs) I'll always go Boston green, but it's
0: gotta be a good Boston cream. Like the, the the Dunkin' Donuts out here, they don't come close to the Dunkin' Donuts from the East Coast, man. It just doesn't feel the same. It doesn't taste the same. Some of it is like the the chocolate is dried onto the, the, the donut. It's incredibly frustrating. So I go to like – there's a 3rd Street place called S&K's. Donuts is on 3rd Street. That okay. is excellent, excellent donuts, and they do a fantastic yeah. uh, cream-filled donut. Uh, so I will definitely defer to that, or I'll get the uh, powdered donut with the chocolate icing inside. That's kind of cool. Uh, as well but i'm a big fan of also of the honey wheat or blueberry donuts i love the honey wheat donut that's my okay. one of my favorite cake donut that way so those are the ones that i will default to and then occasionally the cruller. occasionally the cruller. so yeah i like that too it's a cruel i thought it was a crawler crawler yeah i'm sorry crawler um and yeah, the old fashioned. Like,
1: you like kringle which one's the kringle kringle is the morning uh it's like this really thick type of doughy bready stuff with uh-huh. a Heavy sugar glaze across the top. It's like a Germanic type of breakfast, you know, dessert cake type thing. Interesting. No, I don't know if I've ever had
0: one. So I don't. Oh, it's terrible for
1: you. And It is delicious. (laughs) Utterly delicious.
0: It's like monkey bread. You ever had that? Oh yeah, monkey bread. I've had monkey bread. It is. But you
1: know, you're eating like an asshole, and it's only ten in the morning.
0: Yeah. Right. Exactly. Or there's no lying
1: to yourself. That's when I feel guilty. I try not to do that. Is have sweets for breakfast?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Uh, the, way yeah. I, the way I Go do ahead. it is if I get a stack of donuts or I get like those, you know, those Entman's six pack or eight pack or whatever, I'll bring mm-hmm. them home. I try to only have like a half or a quarter for the breakfast. And then later down the road at dessert after dessert, I'll have another quarter or half. So it keeps me like level, at least in my mind thinking that I'm not shoving a whole donut down in the morning. So it, it's the little games you play to yeah. rationalize shit. Of course.
1: Well, in my house growing up, it was a, uh- two, three Sundays a month, my mom would make like uh, some sort of coffee cake. Oh, nice. You know, like that. So you look forward to Sunday. Like, oh, we're getting those muffins with the huge clumps of sugar. You ever had the blueberry muffin? Oh, yeah. That big like rock crystal sugar thing on this. She used to make those like once a month. My dad, my dad used to walk down and just grab whichever muffin top he wanted and just rip it off. <laughs> and we'd be staring at it like, nobody wants that shit as a kid just like but he's dad you're not gonna say anything of course not <laughs> this shit remember seinfeld we had the
0: muffin top story yeah.
1: <laughs> that was genius and so did i it's a brilliant plan i think my dad would do it to the whole thing but they uh, invariably if, if what is it tray 12 or nine nine or two, one of the two yeah it's rows of three two to three of them top ripped off <laughs> His house, like I know, my right. parents' house. I just live here. Yeah,
0: that's right, that's so, you can't get too angry about exactly. They want to do that, that's
1: fucking their choice. They make the rules. <laughs> uh, all
0: right, uh, you want to take the break now? We're at 34 minutes. Yeah, let's it do logical. it. All right,
1: before we get into my number five, uh, let's hear this quick word from our sponsors. All right, thank you so much to our sponsors, uh, for supporting us in uh, these COVID times. Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to go my number five, which is James McTeague for V for Vendetta. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So the slight point you were talking about earlier. All right, cool. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I think it's pitch perfect movie. And then to go and look at the rest of his IMDB, it's Ninja Assassin. It's that Gabrielle Union movie that came out last year that I only remember from the billboards. Yeah. But it's like payback as a mother or something, something along those lines. It's it's uh, uh the Raven the weird oh. Edgar Poe fucking yeah. Jack movie when it came out I was like that looks like dog shit and I, I only saw the billboard I do not even need to see a fucking trailer and then to find out it's just as bad as I assumed of course it bad. is yeah it was bad yeah just the conception the pitch the log line sounded terrible <laughs> um so to and, and I believe he wrote it so yeah. he adapted. This graphic novel, which by and large, those have not been you know, relatively easy to adapt. It has been done with like Road to Perdition or Scott Pilgrim. Right. And there's also been Watchmen, which had, until they had the director's cut, middling
0: yep. reviews. Yeah. From hell. There's a lot of people forget yeah. about it. a graphic novel and they did the best they could with that, but it was not that good.
1: Yeah. It's not good. I want it to be because it's a really cool concept.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. But the
1: execution on screen is just not, I don't know. You walk away going, that wasn't it.
0: That Heather Graham Cockney is the thing that kills you.
1: yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, uh, what's her name um in, in uh, gangs in New York? Oh yeah, Cameron Diaz. yeah, Cameron Diaz. Like, you're you're miscasting this yeah um,
0: yeah, stick to the comedy.
1: Right. So you have Hugo Weaving commanding a performance with just his voice, Natalie Portman carrying this movie, and she is like eh, we relive that beautiful love story between the two gay women. Just through her reading that note and whatnot, just mm-hmm. to get evoke within you all these emotions and you want the little guy to stand up against this oppressive government. You have that entire storyline, which is you know the the through line, mm-hmm. but you follow these characters and their individual arcs and just to make something to me that quite quite possibly perfect in a lot of ways. I don't know where exactly to nitpick it. You know, every movie can be nitpicked, but I can't think of it off the top of my head right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: To see the rest of the IMDB is like, dude, how did you do this?
0: Yeah. Yeah, how, what struck what inspiration struck you to be able to do it so well? Adapted so well, get such great performances from it, uh do the pace and the build, never lose the tension throughout the whole movie. Um and then and, when you get to- your first And it's first, right. And then when we get the flashback to how V is created, it's Mm -hmm. so well done. You're just like, oh, my God. So all of it. And to have the story work uh, so well out of the comic book and transfer it so well, or graphic novel transferred so well into uh, the movie was incredible, incredible work. And you're right. Never got there again. Just never quite got there again. It's a shame.
1: Never even came close. Yeah,
0: true. You just
1: look at V for Vendetta like it's a typo. (laughs) Well, it's at the bottom. So you're like, this can't be right. This is what he made afterwards. It's just, you know, fortunately, he has been swinging and missing. And perhaps he'll come back around and figure out, like, he'll adapt something else. And maybe that's what he's best at is maybe adapting and and seeing the vision for something as opposed Mm -hmm. to, I don't
0: know. I imagine that's how he got the Raven. They thought, well, he adapted this. He should be able to adapt this. But
1: yeah, it didn't quite work out. Yeah, it didn't work out at all. It just, sit there kind of gobsmacked on something. That's why it's, you know, in the top five for me. It's like, how did you make this over here? Yeah. And then all the rest is... That's fair. Utterly forgettable.
0: Um, That's fair. All right, but my number five is uh, John Singleton for Boys in the Hood.
1: Man, I wanted to so bad. Yeah? I know some people love Baby Boy, and that's... <sighs> yeah, but it, but it wasn't a hit. It wasn't a hit. Okay. I, yeah. I don't know anything about it. I just remember people oh. going, no, I do Baby Boy's good. I'm like... Yeah. <laughs> I've never thought Tyrese is a good actor, so I don't really believe you. That's
0: good. Uh, too fast, too furious also was not that; it didn't do well at the box office. Four overall. brothers, I know
1: some people like a yeah, lot. Four
0: brothers did not do well at all either. Uh, yeah. And I, I didn't even know—I I didn't know that was a remake of the Sons of Katie Elder. And I, when I found mm-hmm. that out, that made me even more angry to see that it was a terrible execution uh, overall in that film. Uh, but yeah, he didn't—he didn't have another hit after this, uh, and unfortunately, of course, he passed away way too early. Uh, when he might have found a comeback down the road, maybe, with some material. What
1: about Shaft? That wasn't a hit?
0: No, Shaft wasn't a hit.
1: (sighs) They made other Shafts after that with Sam Jackson. I believe Shaft was a hit. Let's take a look.
0: Let's see if Shaft was a hit. Look, I'm not
1: fighting you because – No, no, I think it's fair to ask the question. I have no problem
0: going and taking a look and see uh, what the box office mojo or box office has on it. Let's see. It was made for – yeah, but it was made for fifty million dollars, so I don't know if I would call that a hit necessarily. Well, you have to do two I mean, and a half times forty-four million,
1: and it made one hundred seven point two.
0: Right, and you have to do two and a half times your budget just to break even,
1: which so, they did. Wow, forty-four times two is uh is what? eighty-eight, and yeah. then another half of forty-four would be another twenty-two, so that'd be about a buck ten. They're at one hundred seven, right? I th- I think they're with with. Office, you got DVD sales. You've got they didn't even break even. They didn't even break even, man. Come on.
0: Okay, I
1: they they made how many more? Two more? Yeah, they made a bunch of Resident Evils too. That doesn't mean they were hits. (sighs) On some level, they are because they can continue to make more of them. What What? about this? Are are the underworld movies hits? Uh, Unless they're financial box
0: office successes. Okay, now you're just bolstering. No, okay. I'm telling you that's, that's how I that's yeah. how I would say if something is a hit or not a hit. That's the only qualification. Okay, yeah. all right. Uh, I, I, Martin Scorsese, Sacrifice or sh- whatever the name of that film is with uh, uh, Andrew Garfield and Adam Driver. That's a yeah, well done movie. Not a hit. Well done movie. Not a hit. Uh, what was the one with uh, George Clooney uh, and uh, well, the, Lopez. Silence? Silence is the
1: one you're thinking of.
0: Silence. Yes. Out of sight. Great movie. Not a hit. Didn't make any money.
1: Plenty of movies don't make money that are good. Yeah, Silence made twenty three. That's that's yeah. still though on your list. Yeah, I'm going to look up another one that's coming up with Jimmy Okay. What do we got? What are you looking up? Uh, Deer Hunter's box office. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it it barely crosses the threshold of what you're talking about the two and a half times. Okay. okay. Well, then we have to
0: take Rennie Harlan off your list because Cliffhanger made $255 million. Yeah, but it's a dog shit movie. I, wait, wait, wait which, what is the, the, class, the classic? I never thing? said it had. You said it had for you're you. In these other films, you've heard from other people. You haven't even seen these
1: films. You didn't see uh, Shaft. You didn't see Baby Boy. I've seen most of Shaft.
0: <laughs> I think that's the end of the discussion right there. No, yeah,
1: but you I'm created not a definition for list. yourself, and now you're saying I have to adopt it. Saying that the no, box, I'm not saying you have to adopt. It. makes it
0: a hit? You're coming at me with this, and I'm just saying, well, if we if one applies to the other, I'm I'm not questioning the choices you're making on your list. You're you're trying to undercut. I'm not it.
1: questioning a not Singleton. I was just curious. You're yeah. literally, I came close, but I was just like, I'm pretty sure baby boy was a big hit for I, I knew a lot of people that said they liked it yeah I'm sure you no, did it's fine. singleton deserves to make the list unfortunately as hard <laughs> That's as that mean, to say?
0: I know it's a shame it is a shame I had a tough time I had a tough time putting him on the list in my head because I was like he's passed away and everything like that but you got to be honest with yourself yeah the, none of his other movies came close to the hit that boys in the hood was or no higher
1: special, learning I didn't like
0: yeah higher learning was like man that was tough poetic a justice I didn't like
1: nope nope um yeah.
0: You're not wrong. And you, you got to work really hard to be one of the worst installments in Fast and the Furious franchise. And Too Fast, Too Furious is one of the worst. So I just didn't think it was that good. Um, all right. which number
1: four? Four is another punt from you earlier with Tony K on American History
0: X. Oh, yeah. Good film, right? I mean, I, this film still is chilling as hell and holds up.
1: Well, the fact that he got kicked off of his own movie before. Yeah. He could finish the edit, and Ed Norton in the studio, in essence, just locked him out and finished, did final cut on it. Yep. That to me is like, well, you had all the bones of it, and now you're upset with how they executed the ending. And I, everybody agrees it's a pretty solid ending. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what you want uh, out of this and what you would change. Yeah, therein lies sometimes, like you know, the difference, which another director will be getting to shortly.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: having a little too much power but i mean it's 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 brutal i love the black and white the stark contrast and like a, the trying to paint the world that there is this only it's a point a or point b choice at all times especially ed norton's perspective and you know the world is gray and eventually you know the color in the the you know present in the flashbacks in his life of black and white mm-hmm. and the just the dichotomy between the two how the story builds and unfolds uh a very brutal kind of story on the the outset to tell and for an actor to take like this is not a really you know great individual that you want to portray on some level on screen right you have all these factors in and then you go and look at his imdb and you're like man there is nothing that reaches the artistic achievement that humanity. Go off in this to tell yeah. a story with so much depth. Yep.
0: I don't disagree with you, man. It's uh, pretty incredible to look at that. Also, um, I, I I thought um, he screwed himself. You know, like you said earlier, a few seconds ago, this idea that he was locked out. He was locked out because he was like a terror on the set, a terror mm-hmm. making this thing. And Edward Norton at the time, Edward Norton had cachet. Edward Norton had power to lock out a director. Now he couldn't lock out a a, a junior director, Uh, but he locked out uh, uh, Tony K from his own movie because he wanted to perfect it. And this was at the time when um, uh, Edward Norton was like a a terror on the set from what you hear from a lot of stories Mm -hmm. that he was questioning directors all the time, that he felt he was smarter than everybody he was doing a a movie with that he was going through scripts and rewriting scripts and things of that nature to supposedly make them better. Um, And so, you know, he was no angel himself, but, in the end, he knew what worked and what didn't work, and he wanted to make this movie work. And in the end, he does because the film is fantastic, still holds up, uh, and it's an interesting story to watch nowadays. But Tony K never—I really hardly ever heard from him again after this movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know it's weird to think of Ed Norton having that power
0: mm-hmm.
1: now, right? <laughs> and just the the brashness, like he he took the Italian job. Because technically he was under contract and he didn't, he kept passing. was a universal to put that out. Or is yeah. That yeah. That? I think it's universal. I think universal. And they kept sending him scripts. They have him under contract. He signed after primal fear. They give him an X number deal. And he just keeps going. No, I yeah. don't want that. That's not no. And complacently takes Italian job because they have to do something with him, And then refuses to do press. <laughs> and just, just shows up not giving a shit about the movie, the production, you know, that's going on you're like man the balls on you and you continue to work for a little bit and now and then and then everybody stopped casting
0: him and shit where he ends up in a fucking born movie as like seventh or eighth down on the call list or he ends up in wes anderson's movies just to try to resuscitate his career you know and now people are talking about him possibly being in the tiger king movie that's tumbling down the fucking chain Honestly, that is tumbling down. Well, depends on
1: who else they have for the Tiger King movie.
0: It's Kate McKinnon. I mean, this is not this is not someone who's a box office queen. You know, that's what they're kicking wow. around for Carol Baskin or whatever. So, we'll see. They're trying to talk to Brad Pitt. Is the rumor that, to be Joe Exotic? But I can't imagine he would do that. So,
1: this will fizzle out. This will never get made. You think? Okay, because okay. it it is something we all have watched now. Yeah. You, do we need to see a movie of this in two years? I agree. I agree. Not really. Maybe unless, in 15 or 20. Unless it's one of those
0: tongue-in-cheek movies that is meta, then maybe. If not, then it doesn't make sense. I agree. But
1: it falls into like a parody movie, almost like a scary movie type of thing at that exactly. point. Exactly. There's no way you're going to get Brad Pitt. Like, Brad Pitt <laughs> and there's got to yep. be a better Carol Baskin.
0: That's who they're looking at, man. That's who they're talking to. That's been all over the trades.
1: The first person I thought of was that... Uh, Actress, she's done a ton of stuff. She's in Reno 911, but I think she was in Bridesmaids. Oh yeah, Wendy McClendon and Covey. Yeah, she's in uh go. Goldbergs. Yeah, that TV she's show. great. It would be a comedy, whatever, like with some drama, like fear oh, kind of oh. aspects, but I think she could pull off Carol Baskin.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Carol oh, Baskin's right. husband, I think, is gonna be the most interesting cast.
0: <laughs> For sure. She get Chevy Chase. That Chevy Chase would be perfect the way he looks now.
1: Um yeah, the dude kind of looks like Chevy Chase mixed with like Do- Dr. Fauci. And oh, yeah,
0: that guy. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, or, or maybe Fauci meets Adam Silver, but Adam Silver with hair. <laughs> um,
0: 30 days. Um, all right, so that was what, year number four? Is That that right? was my four. Okay, so my four then is the punch from earlier, Neil Blomkamp for District 9. Um, okay. I, I think only because two 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 reasons, I guess. Not only, but two reasons. One, District 9 is such a damn good movie. It's such a it damn is. good movie. That you think – Oh, he's gonna have a crap ton of stuff that are hits afterwards. This is a new voice on the stage. Can't wait. And then Chappie doesn't do so well. Elysian doesn't do so well. And there was that alien movie that there was that he was in rumors and talks to possibly do. And it's that tumble down to the point where you don't look forward to his movie anymore or whatever he's got left, uh, and he underachieved in the other in the other stuff he directed. So you're just like, well, this feels like a one-hit wonder type of situation, even though mm-hmm. he's still in contention and his name still brings excitement to some fans. We haven't heard or seen anything from him that would it merit could. him coming close to his District Nine just yet.
1: Yeah, it was lower on my list because I like Elysium more than the average person, but you I know hit. Mm-hmm. It's, look Elysium is not great but I enjoyed it mm-hmm. uh, and I still think there's promise with him going forward but out of the gate anointed by Pete Jackson like this guy is really good he makes something that I uh, can't believe I had never seen it before yeah. awesome sci-fi film with so many different layers and it's telling numerous stories at once uh, and afterwards just kind of keep delivering on it almost seems like you know he watered down District 9's vibe to make Elysium yeah then it's watered down again for Chappie, and it just i don't know Come out with all his ideas on the first page yeah thing and we loved it and then now there's nothing else going forward agreed agreed yeah i don't know i don't know i hope so man i hope so too i think he's got an eye
0: clearly he's got an eye and this took nine such a great movie you hope maybe the right combination will happen again for him down the road because i i think he's definitely a talent so
1: mm -hmm. all right what's your number three uh three i can't believe it made my list but ultimately i was like this is where it deserves to go which is uh eduardo sanchez and daniel Murick. oh yeah for blair witch for blair witch
0: yeah please take the way with this one i you know for this for this
1: reason alone look do i think in hindsight blair witch is a good movie not really yeah but it is a hit unlike any other a box office was phenomenal and you i'm sure the budget on this was next to nothing and mm-hmm. they were a national sensation. But yeah. it's one of the few movies. I was in high school when I saw this, and we went back to a friend's house afterwards and we talked about this movie. Yep. One time we ever did it with any movie. And we talked for like an hour straight. Just what did this mean? And what if this it created an entire genre, found footage horror? Yep. And these dudes didn't do shit up. They created their own subgenre that has gone on to now you got paranormal activity and yep. you've got HS. And you've got all this other string of Cloverfield. Yeah. Yeah, Cloverfield. Perfect example. Yeah. She's like, dude, you guys did nothing else. You took a you took a product that didn't exist, spun gold out of it, and then after that couldn't do much yeah. thing. Uh, it's it's mind-blowing. That's why I made my list. It's like I can't believe it. Even though that Blair Witch is that good. Yeah. You did something that nobody else on this list did.
0: I totally get it, and I understand why you put it on. I didn't put it on because, uh, to me, these are college kids that got lucky, or these are film students that got lucky and struck gold. Uh, but there's about a million film students out there who've directed films that are good or close to good and didn't quite have the right promotion or get in front of the right people with their product to get yeah. them over the line. So for me, that's why I didn't put them on, even though I considered it. I did consider it very seriously, and I knew they weren't going to do anything after Blair Witch. It was more the actors that were really the uh, yeah, the girl. Point. Yeah. Heather Donahue. Yeah. She had done some stuff. She certainly did take in that sci-fi series uh, that Steven Spielberg produced. Uh, And now I think she's now she's a a lawyer or something or a tax person somewhere. I I recently went into a random uh, search for her uh, for whatever reason. Um, And so, but yeah, the, to me, the focus were the actors who was going to climb out, not necessarily the directors, but you're right, Matt, you make a great point. These guys essentially, created a sub-genre of horror that they could have milked for quite some time yeah. uh, if they had gotten Very the opportunity easily. to own their skills and get with the right producers and things of that nature. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, to do – because what you said before is like, you know, there are tons of people like you look at as two college kids, they got lucky. Yeah. You could say that about, you know, uh, McTeague on the list from earlier. Did oh, he yeah. lucky on the outset and he's just been born out? This is what he can actually do. Right. Good point say that about a lot of these directors which is like fuck man they did one thing uh but yeah Blair Witch is not and and your assessment of this just happened to be the one could be 100% right mm. Mm. Um. because there are a lot of people making movies of this grade yeah one that perhaps is just happened to be split I don't know beyond that because I can't think of another movie that that existed like this yeah for me
0: I can't think so either. I really Because the thing with me, Matt, is when I went in to see this movie, I didn't know it was a fake movie. I didn't yeah. know it was uh, – I thought it was a documentary, right? Because nobody had told me. I went in by myself. I saw the trailer. It freaked me out. And I went in to see the movie, and I was climbing the fucking walls. Uh, and when that ending happens, you're just like, oh, my God. And so mm-hmm. for me personally, I just was blown away by that. Uh, movie and everything. And then later, of course, I was told it was not real. And then it uh, yeah. was, and then so I went back and rewatched it and enjoyed it for what it was then. I recently tried to rewatch it, I think last year, two years ago, and I just was bored halfway th- through the movie. It was like, oh, See, this doesn't hold up for me. This one doesn't hold up as well as it should have. Because obviously, our world now, Matt, and you know this too, is filled with documentaries about actual serial killers, actual crazy shit going on in the woods, actual cults, actual uh, murders that are happening at the expense of these crazy people living in far out places. Uh, We've seen numerous TV shows, movies, uh, documentaries that cover that kind of stuff. So it kind of gets lost Mm -hmm. in the mix now. But you can't deny the pioneer nature of it. So I think that's a great point you bring up, man.
1: Um. I mean, yeah, yeah, having the discussion afterwards, whether or not this was real, that was part of the hour discussion. Yeah, I bet. Like, oh, man, when he was standing in the corner, and it's a discussion of specific moments within. But I knew it wasn't. But at the same time, like I was, I wasn't hundred percent certain. Even though, right. look, like, I saw this in a theater. It's a movie. You've loved movies and seen movies your whole life. But the question as to whether or not it is real still kind of loomed over all of us. Some people. Yeah adamant that it was was real and the others were adamant that it was obviously but uh yeah just yeah you were a national sensation unlike i can't think of another movie and nothing you guys did yeah. nothing afterwards
0: yeah it's a fair point um all right my number three is uh hugh hudson sir hugh hudson i guess now he is the director of chariots of fire he only oh, did yeah. that movie uh and he had done other he's done other movies but they never in fact he did one in 2018 i think so none of them have come close anywhere close to what he achieved with chariots of fire a small independent film from britain that won the best picture oscar made all this money uh you know turned its unknowns into stars for a little bit and then uh oh what happened just keep okay oh, oh, sorry okay yeah, yeah. And things of that nature, and I, I really appreciated that about the movie, and I, I'm, I'm such a massive fan of the movie. I recently saw it again, because I think we are going to do it on the cinephile. So it's still a film that holds up, still has powerful messages about a religion and being dedicated to your religion, things of that nature. So all of that is still part of the movie, and the fact that he never came close to coming to achieving what Hugh Hudson did, Oh, uh, I mean, sorry, what the movie did. Uh, he never came close to achieving that is uh, spoke speaks volumes about the fact that he was a one hit wonder director because he's certainly been trying to come back and, and you know, um, match that. And um, I was recent, reading an interview with Ben Cross, who par- plays Harold Abrams in the movie. And he said mm-hmm. that, that movie is like a golden cross on our backs that we have to carry because neither him nor I have ever done anything that comes close to what we did. And only now. Uh, 30 years later, am I able to just kind of talk about the movie and not get upset about the fact that this is the one movie everybody brings up associated with my career, even though I've done 90 projects, this is the one everyone wants to still talk about. So and the same thing with Hugh Hudson. So clearly he tr- he's been trying to repeat that success, mm. but he's never achieved it. So that's that's why I put it at three.
1: I, I would imagine it's like um, any actor, like all the, the what I assume the Star Trek TV actors, by and large, oh, yeah. Rebelling against the identity and eventually coming back around. And hey, at least they remember me and enjoy it low these three, four decades later, whatever the case is.
0: Right. Shatter was like that. Shatter hated being attached to Star Trek stuff for a very long time. It wasn't until later in his life that he started going to the conventions and embracing this. same something with Nimoy. Nimoy hated it too, more so than Shatter because Nimoy was a stage and uh, uh, film actor and TV actor. So he didn't want to just be seen as that. So, yeah. Um, all right, what's your number two? Huh?
1: I said it's hard not to sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, two for me is... Here's where I had trouble. I went back and forth. But okay. I think it's going to be Paul Brickman for Risky Business. Okay. Not on my list, so go ahead. Knock yourself out on that one. It's the only – there's some movie I've never seen called Men Don't Leave.
0: Yeah, it wasn't good. That was the, I think Jessica Lange or Julianne Moore is in that one. I think Jessica one, Lange think. is in that. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's the only one that I could find on Metacritic, Rotten Tomatoes, and, and a bunch of others that had a positive rating. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't even remember this coming out. It doesn't look like <laughs> something I would watch. Uh, you launched tom cruise you deconstructed the teen comedy yep even i'm gonna throw a party type of thing mm-hmm. constructed all of that you made tom cruise a superstar yeah he is in our lives to this day because of your movie Yeah. and this was relatively early on in your career to where you would be working consistently after that it doesn't even come remotely close. Yep. Yeah. And that to me is why it lands at number two. It's like, it's one thing to make a good movie, which did, made a really good movie. And one that's, it's, you're taking everything that you've learned in previous generations, kind of like Unforgiven deconstructing a Western. Yeah. 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 This does it on some, not to that degree and that, that kind of execution. Um, but then on top of that, to, give us one of cinema's biggest stars of all time all time yeah this was their first you're like dude this guy's got an eye for talent <laughs> <laughs> he can get an amazing performance out of you know somebody like Tom Cruise and we'd see it afterwards He discovers yeah. it you know, oh this he's gonna be working for decades and he did but it's just it's mind-boggling when you see some of these guys IMDb's, and you're like man you worked your ass off yeah and a lot of this to me is forgettable
0: that's fair. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, I, I remember seeing the movie and thought it was incredible for what it was in the eighties. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, but you're right. It launches Tom Cruise. that's what it's mostly known for. And the, the sex scene in the, on the, in the train and his uh, fantasy. And then later, of course, in the uh, bedroom or whatever, but like that was the Rebecca de Mornay or, you know, that kind of time. And so, yeah, absolutely a uh, good choice there for sure. And he never came close to that again, any kind of like launching any kind of star off of his movies or anything like that. So, yeah. And a good movie, still a good movie. Yeah. Still a fun revisit. Uh, um, what do you got? My number two is the punt from earlier, Michael Cimino Chimino. Chimino? Yeah, I mean, and and you said you got a reason for why you had him lower, but I, I'll tell you this. For me, it's because The Deer Hunter is such an incredible movie. I mean, it, it is. is such a phenomenal movie. You talk about launching. This also kind of launches Meryl Streep. Uh, I think she won the uh, – no, she didn't win the Oscar for this. But she was, no, I think she was nominated for it. But then you have Robert De Niro in this, Christopher Walken in this. Uh, it's so incredible, the movie yeah. and the journey they all go on. Cazale's last movie. Yeah, John Cazale's last movie. And um, and what it leads to later is Heaven's Gate, which is the greatest flop uh, supposedly in the history of cinema, uh, which Heaven's Gate is not that bad of a movie. So I was blown away, uh, uh, people, that, of, of, of well, how bad how bad this movie wasn't because it was such a flop and considered the greatest flop ever because they spent so much money to make the movie. It's not a bad movie, but it was not a hit. Uh so uh and he never I don't think he ever did much after that. Uh he was a well known producer, but just never did much after that. But Deer Hunter is the just incredible now, man.
1: What about Thunderbolt and Lightfoot?
0: Yeah, fun movie, but was not a hit necessarily.
1: Uh See, I looked up its box office number. Yeah, I looked it, it did, I think the budget was like four million and it did twenty two. Mm. More than clears the two and a half times you're talking about.
0: That's fair. Yeah. Absolutely fair. Uh, but
1: you still put it on your
0: list, though. Is that why you have it? That I low? did. That's why I put it lower. And I was like, ah, "How you.
1: much does Thunderbolt and Lightfoot? The guy still made one of cinema's, you know, longest enduring. We all agree is an excellent movie type. Of yeah, Deer Hunter. Yeah, really difficult to do. When people look back at that year, your movie is one of the top two, three, if not their favorite movie of that year, the most compelling, or whatever the case is. Yeah. Um, but Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, like. I know that has a certain soft spot for like my dad's generation, I'm sure with Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that to me was part of the calculus of, I, I saw it when I was a kid and I liked it, but I haven't seen it since. I don't yeah. know seeing it again. I but- hardly see anybody reference it. And yeah. I think for me, the the thing
0: that, and I get your point that totally makes sense, especially with the construct that I laid yeah. out for my list. But for me, it's like the, the fall from one of the greatest films ever made to one of the greatest flops ever made that almost sank a True. studio is just so massive because it almost sank United Artists. You have to, or it did, I think you have it to. It did. It did. Yeah. And it, it changed out the, the uh, tour. Right. The director power that had been established mm-hmm. for quite some time, all of that started to erode after Heaven's Gate. So Chimino has a play in that, has a hand in that. So that's why I move it higher on my list because of the just the stark drop and everything that happened afterwards. So, Uh, But I take your point about Thunderbolt Lightfoot, certainly. Um, All right, what's your number one?
1: One is Richard Kelly with Donnie Darko. Wow, okay. Didn't make my list at all. All right. Go watch the director's cut.
0: Matt, I can tell you right now, you can make God's cut and I wouldn't enjoy that damn movie. It's just not my cup of tea at all. The okay. funny thing, the whatever it is, it's just no. So I, that's why it's not on my list because I just don't even like the movie. Um, the di-
1: director's cut to me is even worse. Oh, really? <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> so he made, when I saw it at the time, now I'm. it's one of those, I'm not going to be- go back and revisit again because I've already done it a couple of times. Right. And it diminishes the effect that it had the first time that I saw it. Rather, mm. it just sit there in my memory of, I enjoyed it. I was at the right age I was like early twenties when this came out. Yeah. So the angstiness of and Hall's character was still I was still living that. Yeah. Even though I was like three, four years older than the characters. Like we're all roughly the same on some level at this point in our lives. Yeah. Um and so it it impacted me. And I thought this guy was gonna be the next thing. Yeah. For a long time you know it's like when when you see a early david fencher and you're like this dude's working
0: oh yeah yeah yeah
1: like he's he's got style he's got a, a voice he knows exactly what he wants to do there's such a confidence to me at least seeing it for the first time
0: yeah
1: it was part of the wave of like these you know independent cinema from the the late 90s through early 2000s was yeah a big surge of of how we got the next wave of uh, auteurs and uh you know you kevin smiths of the world who popped up because they made something that that you know was independent and everybody ended up seeing type of thing yep but i thought for sure this dude was gonna be in my life for a long time and i could not have been more mistaken as a t- two-year-old or whatever it was when this came out i gotta look up the year but
0: yeah
1: it came out what 2000 2001 uh maybe
0: yeah yeah I always yeah. think, think of it as a '90s, late 90s movie, but maybe it was early 2000s. I'll look it up.
1: Yeah. 2001. Yeah, 2001. Okay. Yeah, it was 20... What is it? 21? 21, 21 or 22, depending on when it came out in the year. Probably.
0: Yeah, I, 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 like I said, I, I I tried to watch that thing. I got an hour into it. I was like, I don't give a – this is so not my kind of movie. And I know it's a cult classic and it's a hit and people loved it and whatever and all that jazz. It just did not work for me on any kind of level. So uh, it's just one of those ones. It just doesn't come across for me. But I get it. And that, it might be generational too, like you just said, like the generational uh, situation on some movies. This might yeah, be – Yeah, I was the
1: right time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just like Heather's was for you. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, high school satires or high school like uh situations, things that nature or, or, yeah. Um okay, so then my number one is uh Michelle Gondry for Eternal Sunshine, of The Spotless Mind. Uh, because he never had did another He did do something, else? He did do something it. else that didn't make money. It didn't it wasn't a success. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Charlie Kaufman did other things, certainly with adaptation and what have you, but like uh Gondry never did another had never had another big hit. This was the only one of his uh, to be a big hit, make money, and be successful with Jim Carrey doing drama and Kate Winslet and things of that nature. So, um, and this was such a revolutionary, brilliant film about the idea of relationships. I put this one in, uh, and Punch Drunk Love in the same box and be like, this is romantic comedies, so to speak, for mm-hmm. auteurs. For uh, real, like, directors that are uh, philosophical and think and understand how to use the medium to elevate the romantic notion or romantic movie into another realm. I wouldn't say maybe not romantic comedy, but romantic movie elevating it into another realm. And the stuff that him and uh, and, uh, Kate Winslet go through throughout, it's still – a painfully heartbreaking movie to watch. It still holds up no matter Mm -hmm. because everyone goes in, everyone has relationships. Everyone has that one that you thought it was going to really work out. And then for whatever reason, series of events lead you to just kind of break up in the worst way. Uh, and never you can never go back to it and recapture that magic again. But the idea of being able to remove those memories and the fact that you might still be able to find that all over again and maybe do better a second time is so interesting. And uh, Gondry does a fantastic job. I know he's uh, the director or executive producer on uh, the Jim Carrey show, Knowing or whatever it is called. Uh, that's oh, on. yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, is yeah. he? Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, he is. So in that way, he's still working. He did another one, the science of sleep, that was afterwards, and that didn't make any money. Uh, so and he, he's a movie. Oh, sorry, he's a movie, music. I, I like.
1: I like be kind. Rewind.
0: oh yeah, well, yeah, but
1: that was a small film. It wasn't a Doesn't, big hit. But yeah, but I just looked up the box office for Eternal Sunshine. It was too. Yeah. Like, it wasn't a huge, but I know what you mean. This yeah. guy, something that's going to be with you for the rest of your life. So yeah, that's a certified hit to you. I totally yeah. get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's why I dismissed him on his IMDb. I was like, I like be kind of so I can't. That's fair. That's totally like fair. To Michael Bay, if there was no 13 hours and just The Rock, he might have had more of a discussion. But <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but all
0: right. Well, there you go. There's our separate uh, top 10 lists. Uh, and we're going to combine this thing. I'm going to grab the bongos uh, and uh, let's do it. I'll start
1: typing out. Now you, sorry, it sits on top of curious little thing. Now, as I type this, so I could be gentle. If I rock too much, there we go, It'll fall off, guys, we don't want that. All right. No, what's that? But the audio and the video. Oh yeah, I'm just talking about why I'm so slowly typing the numbers. <laughs> um. um. This is gonna be fun. Well, see, so Tony K, James McTeague, mm-hmm. Top, Trank, Jamino, or what we have in common.
0: That's five. That's good. I didn't. I didn't. I was hoping we'd have at least uh, three. Yeah. So five is great.
1: Where Would you have Bloom Comp? five? Bloom Comp is four for me. Four, four, six. Where do you have Tony K? Tony K is six. Okay, so we both have – that's a flip-flop. I got K at four, and you got Bloomkop at four. Okay. Uh, uh, James McTeague, you had where? Uh, seven. That's 5-7. Chimino is 2-8.
0: Yeah, 2-8. Does
1: 2-8 beat 4-6? I kind of feel like it does. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Because it makes us just – okay, it doesn't matter. Okay. So Chimino number one? Yep. All right. And we got to figure out between American History X and District Nine. See, I would say Tony K. Just in that, don't you believe Bloom Cop can do it again? Yeah, that's fair. Absolutely agree.
0: So Tony K. is fine for me there. Oh, and then Bloom Camp afterwards. Okay. And then. Uh, what do we – oh, McTeague, right? Do we want to put McTeague up there as well, or do you want to wait for on that one and put our one
1: um, Yeah, I say we put him – we do that there, and then we do Josh Trank next. Okay. Josh Trank. All right. Your next highest.
0: No, I'm my number one. Both of us still have our number ones, I think.
1: Oh, you're right. What's your number? Just- um, Michelle oh, Gondry, Eternal Sunshine. Oh, um, I mean, Eternal Sunshine is a way better movie than Blair Witch. There's no discussion. Yeah. So, or Donnie Dark isn't Donnie Darko your number one? That's my two.
0: Oh, okay, my bad.
1: I'm sorry though. No, that is my, my yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. On my list. Um, I would say Eternal Sunshine is a better movie. Yeah, even though I like Be Kind Rewind, but we've already crossed that bridge. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a little Jack Back
1: action. Who's
0: on TikTok, by the way, so people can stop giving me shit for doing occasional TikTok videos. He's older than I am, I think. Yeah, but he's Jack Black. That's true. Fair point. Uh, uh, what do you got next? I got my two. Uh, me too. Michael Chimino is my two. Oh, we ordered put him no, in. You got, your, you got your two. Yeah, go ahead. Your two. Which is oh well, we'll find out. Risky business, Paul Brickman. We'll find out.
1: out. All right, what's your next highest? Uh, my number three, which is uh, Hugh Hudson for Chariots of Fire. It's that or Blair Witch. For the ten, for nine and ten.
0: I mean, what do you want me to say?
1: I don't know. I don't really care for Chariots of Fire, but it's not like. I'm banging the drum for Blair Witch. Yeah, you what, I think I like what you
0: said about um, Blair Witch, so I'm cool with you putting it at nine because Hugh is still trying, at least. Whereas Blair Witch is pretty much over. That's that's decided. Like I don't think these guys are coming back at all. Whereas Hugh is still trying. So what's, what's Hugh's last name again? Hudson. H u d s o n. All right, we got it. Ooh, all right, here we go. The top ten one-hit wonder directors. Yeah.
1: At number 10. Hugh Hudson for Chariots of Fire. At number nine. Eduardo Sanchez and Daniel Murek for Blair Witch. At number eight. Paul Brickman for Risky Business.
0: At number seven.
1: Richard Kelly, Donnie Darko. At number six. Michelle Gondry, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. At number five. Josh Trank for Chronicle. At number four. James Mcteague V for Vendetta at number three. Neil Bloomkop, District Nine at number two. Tony K American History X and our number one one hit wonder director is Mr. Michael Chamino for the Deer Hunter.
0: Chamino, what are you doing, Chamino, come on! Uh... It's a shame, Chamino. Heaven's Gate, Chamino. Heaven's Gate, Chamino. Isn't there a director's cut of that out? There is. I bought it on Criterion. Yeah, Criterion. Uh, I bought it on half half off sale. I was like, 20 bucks, I'll give it a shot. Let's see if uh, the director's cut is even crazier. So uh, I enjoy it. I like the movie. I know a lot of people don't like the movie. I like the nuttiness of the movie. Uh, But there you go. That's our one-hit-one of directors. Thanks to everybody who downloaded this episode or watched our pretty faces talk about movies here as we are uh, you know, quarantined or self-isolating here during this time. Um, I think we're finding our groove just fine over the last few weeks doing it this way. So uh, I've been enjoying it, and uh, the fans have been enjoying the shows for sure. They're commenting and leaving nice comments about it. So thank you all so
1: much. Yeah, and to uh, Dallas Fisher, congratulations on having a rule on the show named after you, the Dallas. Yeah. Um, our so one and only time, you caught us literally at the perfect. It was like watching uh, uh, when Buster Douglas took out Mike Tyson. It was the perfect punch. At the perfect moment, like when Rockman took out Lennox Lewis, had he been a fraction of a second late, that thing does not connect the way it does. We nope. have a different outcome. Yeah, you perfect time. Congratulations to you, Dallas. We'll never do this game, but please keep, keep sending your topics because we do store those ideas away no. for eventual weekends of uh, you know release. But uh, yeah, this one we took because we had uh, we got to come up with ideas. So yeah.
0: Absolutely. Um, and thanks to everyone who uh, supports us here on the top 10 show. We can't thank you enough. It's www.patreon.com slash the top 10 Uh, The number there, all one word, please uh, go and see all the multiple tiers we have there. We're dropping topic thunders. We're dropping relists. All that stuff is still going on. So if you want to come and be a patron of the top 10, get all the enjoyable perks of that. Please come and help the show. Come and support the show. Keep us going into our fifth year, which is coming up apparently, of doing the show, which is mind-blowing to know we're still doing it and we haven't run out of top 10 lists. Pretty incredible, uh, to think about. Man, we're still getting top 10 lists. You said there's many, many ways to split the atom. I had doubted you after the second year, and I was wrong. There's certainly many, many lists still to tell. Got to power through, yeah. You got to power through for sure. Yeah, uh? We're
1: running on this. Trust me, we haven't even gotten to like mile 12 where we shit our pants. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there eventually. uh we hope everybody out there is staying safe. Wash those hands. Keep social distance at six feet or more. Don't go out unless you absolutely have to. The sooner we all adhere to these rules, the sooner we can go back to watching movies and movie theaters and, and all the fun stuff that we miss, like ice cream.
0: Yeah, uh, like ice cream.
1: But you can follow me anywhere at Matt Knows. Check out my other podcast, please. That'd be awesome, which is uh, Embrace the Hate. Just search for it anywhere you get podcasts. And uh, let me know if you check it out. Let me know what you think. Uh, that is it for me this week. Uh, and also if you'd like to join the discussion over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the top 10 show uh all spelled out please do that there and uh that's it for me yeah, boom and you can follow me at the roca says on twitter
0: and on instagram uh and of course please go and subscribe to my youtube channel www.youtube.com slash john roca says a lot of content going on there and it's now in podcast form So go and find the Outlaw Nation podcast network as well to hear uh, every uh, show we do there in podcast form uh, in case you don't want to watch people's pretty faces doing things. So uh, thank you all so much. We can't thank you enough. As Matt said, please be safe. Please be healthy. We want to see you back when the floodgates open. Maybe we'll see each other at a movie theater or, as Matt said, at the ice cream shop. Until then, uh, this has been the top 10 show. Take care until next time.